Well, good morning. morning. Glad you're here today. We appreciate uh, you being here. And as Tunch said, we got things going on at our church that we'd love for you to get involved in. We have every stage and, and age, and you can get connected and you can get clicked into community. And again, as Tunch said, the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. We appreciate you having your uh, three-year-olds and up in the service today. Normally, uh, we have a Sunday school for them, so come back and see us, and you can put your kids in Sunday school, but we appreciate you having them in here today. So um, as I was thinking about uh, this sermon today, I, I was thinking about all the events of Easter, the event of Easter. And so uh, I was thinking of some things that we do in our house, and one of the things that Lori does, my wife Lori does every Easter morning from as long as I can remember is she makes these things called resurrected resurrection rolls. Anyone heard of those? You guys are missing out. Resurrection <laughs> rolls. So what she does is she takes a, she takes a, a, a marshmallow and then she wraps them in this uh, dough and then she dips it in butter and sugar. I mean, you could stop there and just eat that. But <laughs> then she puts it in the oven and the marshmallow melts and you have an empty tomb. Really? That's cool. So if you want the recipe, I got that for you uh, after the service. Um, Resurrected rolls. Another thing that we do, how many of you kids do, um, how many of you kids do Easter baskets? A lot of kids in here. Great Easter baskets. We've been doing that for a lot of years. This year, Lori sent out a family text that said, this is the first year, and I don't know when I'm not going to do Easter baskets. But then our college-age daughter came home this weekend, she got wind of that text, and she said, what's this I hear about no Easter baskets? <laughs> Sorry, but that will not do. So we have Easter baskets one more year. <laughs> Easter eggs, how many of you hide Easter eggs? Yeah, Easter egg hunt. We had a big uh, thing with the kids uh, here last week or a couple weeks ago uh, in our ministries. I know you do that at home. We see it with the kids uh, in the afternoon. When the kids got older, the older ones hid them or age appropriately for the younger kids. But even then, they didn't do it so age appropriately because even in, even in the summer, I would find those Easter eggs when I was working in the yard. <laughs> and uh, Lori would put chocolate in the middle, and the chocolate's still good in July. Uh, it works out pretty well. How many of you, thinking of other events, how many of you, since last Easter, got married? Newlyweds. Now, we had a lot. No one's raising their hand. We had a lot in the last service. No one at least. One person? We had a couple right there. All right, good job. Good job. One couple. Congratulations. And how many of you, since last Easter, had uh, a child? Okay. Got a few of those, got a few of those. Here's the best. How many of you, since last Easter, had a grandchild? Now we're talking. Now we're talking. That's cool. It's the best gig there is. I don't know how you could do it, but you should have grandkids first and then kids uh, later on. Uh, we had two grandkids this year, uh, two grandsons. Um, uh, born uh, in February and March, the one on the left, Brittany and Josiah, are, are our oldest daughter and her husband. Uh, his name is uh, Josiah James Lundberger Jr. And then Colin Jay. And then we had another one on the on the right. That's Laura, our daughter. And uh, his after, both named after their dads. His was uh, Donald Ray uh, Crane the third. 
and so we call them trace. So two, two born, and uh, so I, so here's the deal. We have four now. So I, 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 um, I mastered the dad jokes, right? Now I'm on to the granddad jokes, and so I had one last night that just bombed. It was embarrassing. When you're up here and something bombs like it did last night, I mean, you don't know which way to go, right? So when I came in this morning, I talked to Christy Stockdale. She works in our tech. And I said, Christy, find me the best granddad joke you got, all right? So this comes from Christy. You ready? So a woman's in a supermarket, and she's following this guy around. And there's a kid with this guy, a little kid. And this kid is just going crazy. He's throwing candy in the aisles. He's throwing cookie in the aisles. He's grabbing all kinds of stuff. And and the grandpa says in in a very controlled voice, easy, William. We won't be long. Easy, boy. And then the kid keeps going. They go down another aisle, and the kid just makes a complete mess. He's yelling and screaming. And, And the grandfather says in a controlled voice, it's okay, William. Just a couple more minutes. We'll be out of here. Hang in there, son. And they get to the checkout, and and the kid, again, he is like a terror, and he's going crazy. And and the granddad says in this controlled voice, William, William, relax, buddy. Don't get upset. We'll be home in five minutes. Stay cool, William. Well, there was a mother watching this, and she was impressed by the granddad, so she followed the guy to the car as he was putting the kid and the groceries in the car, and she said, like, I, I know this is a little weird, but, but I got to tell you, that was amazing in there, what you just did. You stayed cool the whole time. You kept, kept your composure. No matter how loud, no matter how disruptive he got, you just kept saying, it's okay. William, you are very lucky to have a grandfather like yours, and the granddad said, thanks, but I'm William. That little kid's name's Kevin. <laughs> Good job, Christy. So other events that go on in our life. This one's a little random, but uh, you'll see why I'm doing it in a second. On February the 2nd, something happens in Pennsylvania that we observe throughout the United States and Canada. February 2nd, what is it? Groundhog Day. And Punxsutawney Phil, right? The groundhog comes out for like, I don't know how long, not very long, and he either sees or doesn't see his shadow, which tells us there's going to be an early or late spring. Then he goes back in the burrow for another year. Except, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Punxsutawney Phil is coming to Pittsburgh. Did you know that? Well, the excitement is buzzing around the room. (laughs) But here's the cool part. May the 25th at Tunch and Wolf's uh, Walk for the Homeless. You need to be there. Check it out. You can check it out on our website. Tunch and Wolf's Walk for the Homeless. Punxsutawney Phil is going to be here signing autographs, doing the whole thing. (laughs) And you can go see him. But he wanted me to share something with you because, you know, when he comes to these events... He gets a lot of just sarcastic comments about spring and all that, shadows and all that stuff. He gets sick of that. He gets tired of it. So he wanted me to send this little message. This comes from Punxsutawney Phil. <laughs> you know. 
So just give him a break. Just give him a break when you see him on the 25th. I mentioned Groundhog Day for another reason. I think a lot of people observe Groundhog Day like they do Easter. Kind of a one day a year. Kind of watch the groundhog come out of his burrow, and then he goes back in, and you don't think about Punxsutawney Phil again. And a lot of people treat Easter the same way. It's an event. It's an observance with rolls and, and eggs and, and baskets and chocolate. And you stick Jesus back in the tomb, nice and safe, right? And never think of him again or little until the next year when we come back and dress up and sing songs. Today, I'd like to talk about Easter not as an event, not as an observance, but as an experience. And not an experience that you have one time, but an experience that is life-transforming, heart-changing, and a life experience that empowers you every day of your life. This relationship with Jesus changes things. If you have a relationship with the living Lord, it's not like Punxsutawney Phil event. It is a living, breathing God through his spirit living in you and your life is changed not only during this time we walk on earth, but forever. And so today I'd like to talk about three things that Jesus does. The first thing I want to do is to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because here Paul tells us the work of Jesus so that we're on the same page. Here's the work of Jesus. Paul says, for I delivered to you as a first importance. Paul's not saying this is like one of the many things. Paul says, if you don't hear anything else I ever say, hear this. If you don't read anything else I ever write, read this. Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. Not as, a, not as a mistake, not as something that happened as he walked on earth. This was in accordance with the Scripture. We have been looking for Jesus from the Old Testament. He was buried as proof of his death, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. Paul says that if you see the death of Christ without the resurrection, it is worthless. The resurrection... The death, the burial, it all goes together. It is a package. It's the work of Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ had not been raised from the dead, your faith is what? It's futile. It's worthless. And you are still in your sins. But two verses later, Paul is quick to add, but Jesus has been raised from the dead. And in Christ, we are made alive, not as a one-day observance, but as a lifelong, moment-by-moment experience with the living Lord. I believe this experience with Jesus does three things. I want to talk about that today. Here's the first thing. The work of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection allows us to experience the deep love of God. I don't know where you are in your life today. I don't know if you are alone. I don't know if you're surrounded by other people and you're alone, but I got to tell you, there is a God who loves you, and he loves you so much 
that he gave his son. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, the people in the world, that he gave his only son. And so that word doesn't become fuzzy, and we don't even understand the tangibleness of the word. Paul adds and explains in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God shows or demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while our backs were turned on God, while we were rebels against God, Jesus came and died for us. Jesus came and died for us our sins. Now, there's one question before we talk about the resurrection, right? Jesus had to die. So the question is, as we peel that back, why? Why did Jesus have to die? We talk about this a lot here at the Bible Chapel, but real quick, in summary form, you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and God put Adam and Eve on earth. He created them. He put them on earth, and he put them in a garden, and he gave them everything they could ever want everything they could ever need, and he also gave them the ability to make a choice. So he puts them in a garden, and he says, you get everything you ever want, everything you ever need, but there's this one tree in the middle of the garden, and of its fruit you don't eat, and the day you eat it, you will surely die. In Genesis chapter 3, you know the story. Satan tempted Adam and Eve. They ate of the fruit on that day, sin and death entered the human race like a poison at the beginning of a stream contaminates the entire stream so the stream of humanity all of us we are infected with sin we don't become sinners because we sin we sin because we're sinners death in scripture is not just physical death but it is separation from the body it is separation from God, spiritual death. And then it's separation from God forever, eternal death. So if we think of it like this, we think of what happens in Genesis chapter 3. Here's God. He created man. He gave them everything they could want, everything they could need. He said, you don't eat of the tree. They did. And so God said on that day, his judgment was against man. God judges sin and we are sinners. So on our own, we take the judgment of God. So you say, well, God is God. Why doesn't he just say, redo? Let's do over. I didn't mean it. At the end of the day, it's all good. Why didn't he just say that? Well, let's suppose, God forbid, that someone in your family was murdered. It's terrible. It's tragic. And so you go to the trial. And the person on trial, the jury comes back with a verdict. Guilty. Guilty of murder. And that murderer stands before the judge. And the judge says, you know what? I'm having a pretty good day. Beautiful day outside, change of seasons. I feel pretty good. Mr. Murderer, I know you're guilty, but you are free to go. Just walk out. You're free. Now, what would you think about that judge? That judge just made a joke of justice, right? There's a penalty that goes with the crime. And that judge ignored 
justice. And so God says the penalty of sin is death. So he doesn't ignore it. He judges our sin. John chapter 3, verse 36 says, God's wrath is on those who are sinners, and we're all sinners. Now, that's the bad news. But God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. God demonstrated his love to us in this. Jesus died for us, and so here we have God, the creator. He is the just judge, but his judgment is on Jesus. And there on the cross, Jesus died for our sin. He took on the wrath of God on sin. He took on the judgment of God on sin. Jesus did that for us so we wouldn't have to because we couldn't do it. And to be a Christian is simply this, this simple yet this profound. Here I am on my own. I take the judgment of God myself forever. But Jesus came. And so being a Christian is trusting in Jesus alone as the only way, not one way, not one of many ways, but the only way I can have a relationship with the living God. And that's not a once-a-year event. That is a life-changing experience when you've trusted in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. So the first question I have for you is, have you done that? I'm not talking about knowing about God. I'm not talking about going through confirmation. I'm not talking about your your baptism back when. I'm talking about have you made that personal decision to trust in Jesus alone as the only one who can pay the penalty for your sin, as the only one who has paid the penalty for your sin. Some people say, someone has said that, that a lot of people miss heaven by 12 inches. Head knowledge to heart. They got it here. They just haven't truly trusted in Jesus Christ alone. The second thing that happens because Easter is not an event but an experience is this. The work of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection allows us to experience a relationship with the living God. Some of you may be here and you know about God. No question about him being the creator. You know about Jesus, no Christian, no question about him being a man of history, but you have not trusted in Jesus alone to have a personal relationship with the living God. There's a big difference between knowing about God and having a personal relationship with him. Three times a year here at the Bible Chapel, we have what we call celebration service. We're having one next week. We invite you back. And we have about 30, we, have, we do a lot of things during celebration service. We celebrate what God's doing here in our church family. We have about 30 people across our campuses who will be uh, baptized as an adult, as a person who says, I've trusted in Jesus Christ. I'm driving a stake in the ground. I want to show the world that I'm following him. And we'll have their stories here. And uh, two of the stories I'd like to share just a short part uh, with you today. Here's a guy named John Derby. And I want you to think about the story. A lot of you will relate to this. Here's a guy who had all the head knowledge but hadn't yet trusted in Christ. Listen to John's story. I grew up in, in the church and I, you know, I 
memorized you know, prayers and scripture and all of the parts of the service and stories of the Bible and I had this, this head knowledge and, and I thought that I was on my way to a really, really good Christian life. I didn't really have, have a deep personal relationship at all and didn't really know what it meant to have a, a personal relationship with Jesus at that time in my life. God works in, in so many ways, so many mysterious ways. And although you don't see it right away, um, it was definitely a point in my life when, when something had to change because I was headed in the direction that I think was, was definitely not um, positive. Head knowledge, right? Maybe some of you are there like John. You got the head knowledge. You just haven't trusted in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. Maybe some of you are on a track that's kind of messy and kind of dangerous, like Brian, listen to his story. Before coming to Christ and studying Living Grounded, I was, I was truly lost. I was very self-centered for a long time and uh, just got pulled in really by alcohol. And, and I was struggling with that for years and years. And it's not until uh, I was able to start to see kind of my destructive ways uh, that, that I, w I had to slow down. I had to figure out another way. And there's really only one way, <laughs> and that's truly with Jesus. Since I just really surrendered to know that I'm not the center of all things, uh, Jesus is, is, is life, is creation, is everything. If you don't think you can overcome challenges now, <laughs> learn about Jesus. Just read, pray, learn how to meditatively pray. My favorite verse is John 8, 34, 36. So 34, it starts, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That, that verse right there is so significant to me in two ways. Uh, one, Jesus breaks down the human conditions, creation and, and the human condition broken down into two sentences. That's Jesus. The work of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection can set you free. And you've never known freedom until you know the freedom that Jesus brings. Now, one thing Brian said is something that a lot of people get hung up on. Brian said that there is only one way, right? There's only one way to have this relationship with the living God. Jesus said that, John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No person comes to the Father but through me. And that's a sticking point for a lot of people. A lot of people would say, well, well time out. How can Jesus be the only way? This loving God, certainly, he would provide more ways than just one. And what about all those, what about all those sincere people of other religions? I mean, they're sincere. I mean, they do trips and, and pray and all this stuff. And what about them? And what about the people who work really hard to, to do good things? Well, what about them? Jesus, only one way? I mean, that's kind of narrow-minded. It's kind of bigoted, Right? How many of you remember um, this past summer uh, that uh, little uh, soccer team in Thailand that got caught in a cave? Anyone remember that? These guys uh, took this picture right after soccer practice. They were called the wild boars. 
And they took this practice after so, uh, took this picture after soccer practice, and and uh, they put it on Facebook. And then they headed to a favorite haunt of theirs, a cave that they like to explore. So they went to the cave. They took another picture of their bikes there by the entrance of the cave. They went back in the cave. It was rainy season, and the cave started to flood. And they were caught in that cave. Remember how long? For two weeks. For two weeks about two and a half miles into the cave. Uh, rescue workers from all over the world came to try to figure out what was going on, try to figure out how to help them. They were losing oxygen, and they had no food. So the workers started doing some stuff. So here's the entrance of the cave here. The boys were right here. And so <clears throat> they tried to see if they could get in this way to get the boys. Couldn't get through the rock. They drilled down through the top to see if they could find maybe a little uh, fissure or something in the rock where they could pull the boys out. Couldn't do it. And finally, some Thai and British Navy SEALs were able to, to get through, some scuba divers get through these narrow passages and go back and see the boys. And there's a great uh, YouTube video where the diver comes out of the water where these boys are on a, on a stranded on a beach. And they say... Are you here to get us out? And the divers, about three at a time, took those boys out just about three at a time. Now think about if these kids had said, only one way out? There's only one way out of here? You bigoted, narrow-minded Navy SEALs. I can't believe with all your expertise that you would only provide one way out. They didn't say that. It would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? They didn't say that at all. They were ecstatic. Couldn't wait to get out. One way was the way. I got to tell you, when God provides a way to himself through Jesus, it's not narrow-minded. It's not bigoted. It's called grace. It's called mercy. It's called love. He loves us so much that he provided the way, and it can only be Jesus, fully God who doesn't have to die for his sin, and fully man who can die on our behalf. Jesus, fully God, fully man, is not a good way or one of many ways. He is it. He's the only way to have a relationship with the living God, and it's that God in his grace, provides us a way, the way, to himself. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as the way? Are you still working on some other options? You still trying to dig down through the rock? You still trying to figure something else out? You still trying to be good enough? I, I, I can promise you this in God's word, you will not be able to work your way to God. Only Jesus, who died and rose again, can make that way for you. That's the experience of Easter. One more thing. The work of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection, guarantees eternal life starts now. Eternal life doesn't start after you die. That's going to happen. But eternal life starts now. Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 24, Truly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me 
not will have, but has right now eternal life. It starts now. It's called the abundant life. It's called the, 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 the life of peace. It's called the life of satisfaction. It's, it, it, Jesus fills the restless heart, the empty heart. Eternal life starts now. That person does not come into judgment because Jesus has died for them. The person has believed in Jesus as the one who died for their sins. That person does not come into judgment, but has what? Right now, past from death to life. Have you passed from death to life? Do you know for certain? Do you know for certain that when you die, you are going to be with God forever and eternity. Your funeral is an event, right? <laughs> but the experience, what's going to happen after that? So I mentioned uh, earlier that we had two grandsons born this year. In a couple weeks, we're going to see one of them, and we're really excited to see him. And the other one, we're going to see in heaven. And we're really excited to see him as well. Our daughter, Brittany, gave birth to Jay, and we knew that Jay had some challenges. And Lori and I, along with uh, Josiah's folks, got to go down and right after Jay was born, go in. And, man, we got to hold him. We got to meet him. We got to tell him some stories. We got to interact with him. And it was a, a truly uh, blessed time, privileged time for us. We left the hospital and, and came home, and about 6 in the morning, uh, Brittany called to say that uh, Jay had passed away. And we went back down, and we spent some time with Brittany and Josiah and Jay again. I, I got to tell you, uh, it is uh, it's an exciting time to hold a child or a grandchild, Right? But when you know that child you're holding is really with Jesus, that's a holy time. And we've never experienced anything like that. And the resurrection of Jesus is the only reason we can have that hope, even for a little baby. And the resurrection of Jesus is the only reason you can have any hope for eternity. And I am begging you today, on this Easter Sunday, 2019, to trust in Jesus alone. As, not as an event of Easter, but as an experience for eternity. I always hesitate to do this, but I'm going to pray a prayer. Here's why I hate, hesitate to do it. I don't want anyone ever thinking that I prayed a prayer on Easter 2019, so I'm in. It's much, much more than that. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but i got to tell you, when you truly know Jesus, if this is the sincere prayer of your heart, your life will change. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And part of this new life with Christ is walking away from the sin that has dragged you down and walking to this new life in Jesus. And he desires to change you from the inside out. You can't change yourself and clean yourself up so you can be good enough for Jesus. He's the only one who can clean you from the inside out. 
So if God's working in your heart, let's all bow our heads and you can pray this prayer. Put this in your own words. This is between you and the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins. I deserved your judgment, but Jesus took it for me, and I trust in his complete, final, finished work on the cross as the only way I can have a relationship with you. I desire that you change my life. I desire that you change my direction. I am sorry for my sins. And I want to live a new life. I want to, I don't want, I don't want to have this event going on that I observe, <clears throat> but I want to experience. I want to experience the power of the resurrected Lord in my life. I trust in Jesus alone. Lord, transform me. Forgive me. Transform me from the inside out, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to help you on your new journey. We want to help walk with you in community and in connection. And we want to help you take steps closer and further along in your relationship with Jesus. So talk with us after the service. Email us, call us. We are here to help you on your journey. There's a song that has ministered to our family in these last months. And it's a song that uh, we're going to sing. I want to read you a few verses before we sing it. It's called, Death Was Arrested. Death Was Arrested. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began. Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. Don't you want to be called a friend of Jesus? when death was arrested and my life began. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross, darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began.
Thanks for joining us for the event of Easter Sunday. Now join us on the experience of walking with Jesus every day. And if you want any help on that walk, we are here. And we'd love the opportunity to walk with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. And we thank you that we are free, free forever. Amen. We thank you in Jesus' name, our resurrected Lord and Savior. And everyone said together, amen.